when a woman has a baby, she will always retain cells of that baby in her body. And it's actually bi-directional. So a baby will also always have cells of that mom in him or her. But in the context of an already disturbed, imbalanced system, like what comes to the surface post-pregnancy, which is a big metabolic undertaking for the body, I think the immune system is already in a tailspin. So these fetal cells, even though they're not trying to tip that balance point, for sure. Listen, people people can die of a broken heart, right? That's energy around the heart space. People can destroy their thyroid because they're holding in that painful energy, suppressing their voice. These are real things. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. I am Rachel Marinowski. I am a licensed naturopathic physician. And first of all, I just want to say thank you both for having me. I'm excited to spend time with you guys. And, um, you know, I have four kiddos and I birth them all naturally in the water alongside nurse midwives. So, and I did hypnobirthing. So I have a special place in my heart for you and what you both do and just fully appreciate you being such advocates for women and moms in the world of women's health. So thank you for being Shiro's. Love that. (laughs) Thank you. Tell us why you're here today. So I actually grew up, my mom had a beautiful herb garden. We ate very healthy. We were outside a lot. So there was always this natural medicine vibe. And I decided that I always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to go to conventional medical school. Like many of us, I had a lot of fun in undergrad at the University of Georgia. And when I graduated with public health degree, I said, you know, I just want to go get some real world uh, health experience and see where that leads me before I go to conventional medical school. So I went to work for a large healthcare system in Atlanta that's still around today, and I was in charge of corporate health, and we would go into these businesses with 30, 40, 50-year-old employees, and we would do lipid screenings and blood glucose screenings and blood pressure readings, and when they were abnormal, which they were so oftentimes, we'd say, okay, you have abnormal readings. Get ready to go on medication. We'll see you later. And I started, that was my first kind of experience with our broken healthcare system, We need it. I'm not saying that, but it definitely needs an overhaul. And I started asking the question, where's the proactive? Where's the preventive? What more can we do to intervene before we get to a disease process? And what are the tools in the toolbox that we can use other other than just medication for the rest of your life? So that's where naturopathic medicine found me. Um, After graduating, I actually set out to um, open an integrative clinic. I was lucky enough to work alongside nurse midwives kind of from the get-go. And about seven years ago, a nurse midwife, myself, and a psychologist, we said, we've got to put together an integrative clinic with a birthing center. There's nothing like it in the world. And we did do just that here in Atlanta. And I feel like I can tout the birthing center portion because it's not actually my practice. I don't do the birth work. 
but it's such an amazing place. It's the peace day resistance, if you will, of our clinic and the outcomes and the support and the overall health of mothers is profoundly better. It's amazing. You know, before COVID, COVID has kind of changed everything, of course, but certainly the birthing world and the stress of moms before COVID. And we are downtown Atlanta. Our transport rate, which could sometimes end in C-section, was less than 2%. And all of the Atlanta hospitals, which is pretty average for America, is 30-ish percent, right? So it was less than 2%. So the C-section rate was even lower than that? That's like that, that rivals Ina Mae Gaskin's incredible statistics. And you guys would love the head, um, Shiro, our head nurse, midwife, nurse practitioner, Anjali Hinman. She is an angel on this earth. She's brilliant. And she is just an amazing birth worker. But she trained with midwives who used to ride horseback to women's houses to birth babies. It's like this, the legacy of midwifery. And this is how women are supposed to have babies at home. So... I've been practicing since. I started out more primary care, seeing men, women, and children. As I became a mom, I have, I, like I said, four kiddos in my, um, on my own now. Women's health was just calling. So our practice is largely women's health now, probably 90%. And since my practice has largely been full, I wanted to do something to help support and empower women with the tools because I know For me too, I practice what I preach. I have to be healthy and I can't get burnt out and I can't see every patient that wants to be seen. Um, So we started Kel Blossom, my best friend and I, who's a chiropractor, Kel Blossom. We have a website. We're also active on Instagram and we're trying to give women from the clinical side of things. There are a lot of health and wellness influencers and I think there's space for everyone, but we have the clinical experience to kind of present the health and wellness tools that can be so empowering for women and especially moms in a world where we're so isolated now, um, I think being able to empower women with these tools is really, really great. Uh, prior to podcasting and kind of returning to IBCLC work, although I, I used to do this there as well, I was in, a, in, in an integrative health practice with a naturopath and an acupuncturist and a chiropractor. And I was the women's health, natural health practitioner there. And we had a weight loss specialist and cranial sacral. And it was just like, this is the model. This is the model that works. It was such a wonderful space. It was such a, I did it for 10 years. It was fabulous. I love it. It's, we need more of it. So do you start with women prenatally to try to help them with uh, preconception and fertility? Can you talk to us about some of the things that you do to Um, optimize pregnancy? Yes. It depends on where they come in on their journey. I do see a number of subfertility and infertility. That's one of my favorite categories. And, you know, we can really break that into thirds. One third is female physiology, which we do see. One third is male physiology, which I don't really work a lot with, but it's worth ruling out. And then another third is immune system. And I have a number of women who, when we get in and heal the gut and we take care of background stealth infections, like a big EBV picture or mold pregnancy, because the body knows, it prioritizes, it says, my immune system's in a tailspin. I I can't manage pregnancy well right now. That's obviously over, oversimplifying. Sorry, did you say and, EBV as an Epstein, Epstein-Barr virus? Correct. Mono. So you see a, a lot of women who are unable to conceive because they have a history of mono, which yes. is extremely common. 
very, very common. And when we ask about mono, a lot of times women will say, oh my gosh, I had it my freshman year of college and it wiped me out for three weeks. So in those cases, you know, it really depends. The beauty of integrated medicine is it's customized, right? There's no cookie cutter like this person that comes in unable to conceive with EBV. She gets this, this, and this. It's looking at diet, sleep, hydration, toxic chemicals, microbiome, stress, support, community, access to sunshine, you know, all the things that nature's medicine and nature's um, support for overall health. And a number of years ago, I was charged with the task of doing a women's health presentation to colleagues, naturopathic physicians and integrative MDs. I said, okay, sure. I'm going to talk about hormone health and postnatal depletion syndrome, all the things, right? I said, but I got to have a wow topic. Like what's a cool topic that not a lot of people know about So that's when I dove down a huge bunny hole called fetal maternal microchimerism. I'm still fascinated by this topic. I am not an expert on this topic by any means, but it's something that is worth planting a seed. I feel like all the colleagues that do hear about it are super intrigued, and I think it's something that is continuing to unfold. So what is it? Fetal maternal microchimerism is the phenomenon when a woman has a baby she will always retain cells of that baby in her body. And it's actually bi-directional. So a baby will also always have cells of that mom in him or her. Fascinating. So there's two major arms of fetal maternal microchimerism that I think are worth talking more about. And I hope that will continue to be studied One of those is the mental emotional realm, which is harder to quantify, right? It's hard to to kind of measure that, but I still want to talk about it. The other arm is the physical, which is where the research is happening. So the mental emotional piece is fascinating to me, again, with my work with women's groups and the mental emotional health piece, which you can't address the physical without addressing the mental emotional. I think this is where women get their sixth sense. This is why when you have a baby, Even if you have a dad partner that's super involved, there's some cellular physiological connection that helps the mom. It's a navigational beacon for her to be tuned in to that child, I think is a protective for that human being, a protective mechanism. Um, So sorry to interrupt, but we're not talking about like genetics here. Like, you you know, your baby has your genetic material. You're talking about like fetal cells literal communication, like my, my body and my baby have, we are exchanging cells and communication between those cells. Exactly. And that's, we don't know a lot about the communication. That's what scientists are trying to fluff or kind of filter out. In um, 1996, a geneticist at Tuff Medical, her name is uh, Diana Bianchi. She went down the road of trying to look for more non-invasive genetic prenatal screening. And she kind of on happenstance came across this phenomenon because she found in one particular woman, she had male cells in her body and her son was 27 years old. Are we, we're talking XY chromosomes in her exactly. cells in her body. How many are we talking about? About one to 1,000. So it's not rampant. How would a woman have a man's cells in her body? Was that from giving birth to her own boy? Yeah. And if this is giving birth to a girl or any man or woman getting the cells when they were inside their mother's wombs, they have her XX chromosomes in them. 
is it, it, can it be differentiated between a woman and another woman? So the way that they first pinpointed it was because of the Y chromosome, right? Because there shouldn't be a Y chromosome in a woman's body. And the number was about 6% of cells of the, the fetal cells, which are also like stem cells. And scientists think that that can decrease over time. They have been able to pinpoint, I think that some of those fetal cells, obviously, especially if she has a daughter, are not going to be, they've been able to pinpoint those. But the Y chromosome was what really gave it away. There was a Netherlands study, this is kind of a sad study, but they took 27 women that had either died during pregnancy or shortly after they were pregnant with sons. This is where they were able to measure the 1 to 1,000 cellular ratio. They took tissue samples from all the organs expecting to maybe find groupings in various places. They found Y chromosome cells in every single organ tissue, heart, brain, lungs, kidneys. It's amazing. It's fascinating. And so just, I'm just so curious about this because like, are these cells working, functioning differently in our bodies then? Because those, those messenger that those messengers in each of the cells with like Y chromosome in a woman's body would influencing things differently. So are these just like present in the body in some sort of other form of communication or do they function the same as your own innate cells? So that's where scientists are split, but I think they're leaning towards them actually being helpful and protective. Scientists aren't ready to accuse or excuse these fetal cells, but because they're largely stem cells, when they go to an organ, they can help protect Somehow they can even protect the tissue, cardio tissue, kidney tissue, et cetera. Just like stem cells are starting to be used because they can morph. It's very fascinating. And other studies showed that women with cancer had less fetal cells than women without. Now, there were some urine mice studies that showed in highly aggressive tumors, they had more fetal cells I don't think it's because those fetal cells are acting awry. I think they're trying to help. But fetal cells, stem cells can continue creating and recreating just like tumor cells. Okay. So now I have to know how is it? So it seems like this is protective and healthy and good. And this is what we want. And somehow this is actually, you know, helping us as mothers to have more of those intuitive hits about our children, that protective instinct, you know, just knowing what's going on with them. So how do we, how does this happen? And like, are there things about pregnancy or or birth that help influence how much of these cells are transferred back and forth? Because it seems like that's what we want to do. Are there things that we do in pregnancy and birth that may hinder, that may hinder this process? Those are all great questions, million dollar questions. And I don't think that we know yet, but one, you know, one of the dots that I would connect is that. 80% of autoimmune cases are in women, postpartum women that have had children. And scientists are starting to bridge the gap. There's a group that says, this is why, but I don't think it's the fetal cells to blame. I think it's more so our modern kind of, and when I say modern, it could be the last, you know, 50, 100 years in the, the kind of newer generation. But I think it's the body burden bucket theory wherein we're exposed to so many more toxins. Our microbiomes are demolished after frequent antibiotics all the time. We have stress. We go, 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 go. We're exposed to EMFs and radiations. And those studies were 25 years old. So I think the body burden, the bucket gets full. 
And these fetal cells, the immune system's already in a tailspin, maybe stealth infections like EBV. I think the immune system doesn't know what these fetal cells, it's like, what do we do with these? It's one more burden, one more managerial task, like I mentioned with the EBV. So I think that can raise the risk of autoimmunity just in the grouping, because we know in treating and seeing so many autoimmune cases, 85% of the immune system lives in the gut. Autoimmune conditions in the conventional medical world, they kind of say, you got to live with it. You can do steroids, you can do immune suppressants, but that's really it. We know in the integrative medical world, you start emptying out that bucket, you get things back in place, you lower the inflammatory upregulation, you can actually really well manage an autoimmune case. So I don't think it's the fetal cells. I think they're trying to help, but the immune system is such in such a tailspin. It's like, I don't know if these guys are good or not because they're foreign cells inside the body that haven't been there forever versus children who are born with those cells of their mom, but it's their lay of the land baseline. They've been there since the get-go, right? Versus a new introduction, decades, potentially a woman has a baby in her 20s or 30s or whenever, it's a new introduction of a foreign cell that again adds to that immune system going, okay, I've got to be, I got to figure out what this is. I got to tag it. I got to kind of make a memory of it, but it's confusing. I don't, I don't have all the answers either, y'all. I just think it's fascinating. So a woman like you, you have cells from your own mother you were born with, and you have cells of each of the four of the children that you've birthed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you said they initially identified this from the XY chromosomes in a woman, which must have been mind blowing to whoever first discovered that. Old Diana was like, what? Look at this. I cannot (laughs) even imagine her reaction. And you know, 1996, when Diana was looking and found this, that wasn't that long ago. Not at all. No. I know my kids think it's like the ancient times in the 90s, but it wasn't. And interestingly enough, chimerism comes from the Greek word chimera, which is like a fire breathing um, she goat which I don't know how I feel about that as a descriptor of what's going on in a mom. I know that like you guys probably, sometimes I do feel like breathing fire at my children, but um, I think it, it just, that Greek mythology, this is kind of a very mysterious, yes, it's a couple decades old and, and being established. But the one thing I do feel confident about, this is a reason we do need to pay more attention to women after they have babies. This is why postpartum health should be on the top of our priority list. And women should have lab work done within three months. I don't know how many women that come in and say, my provider said I shouldn't do lab work because I'm still breastfeeding. Well, yeah, you're not back to your pre-pregnancy state, but what if you breastfeed for three months and you've got an inflammatory autoimmune process? Because one thing that we see so often in women is pregnancy brings out those autoimmune, those other diseases like Hashimoto's that come to the surface because she says, I've been fine. I've never had thyroglobulin antibodies in my life. And now they're at, you know, two, three, 400. So if nothing else, it's a call to action for us to take more tender, loving care towards women, especially after they have babies. Let's talk, let's talk more about the specific things that you see postpartum because pregnancy really seems to cure some conditions that mothers you know, had prior to pregnancy. And then they're like, after I had my babies, it just disappeared. And then it seems to exacerbate other things, particularly related to the thyroid. So can you talk to us about some of the key things that you identify in postpartum moms um, that may be a result of pregnancy and this whole process? Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women. 
especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sits bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code down to birth. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. Yeah. And I think that's something that is very hard to quantify in terms of like why a woman may be cured with pregnancy versus why a woman, you know, it opens her health Pandora's box because every person's one genetics, which is a vulgar statement, but genetics load the gun, the environment pulls the trigger, right? So it's, what is her life journey? What are her experiences? What are her stressors? What are her, was she a sickly kid, a healthy kid? You know, sometimes it can absolutely be a good reset, but we oftentimes, and probably because they're coming in for help, we see the reverse. I don't see a lot of women that actually feel better after pregnancy 
I see significant postnatal depletion syndrome. I see significant Hashimoto's. I see significant inflammatory upregulation um, and the mental emotional. And there is a psychologist at Arizona State who's actually researching um, fetal maternal microchimerism and trying to see if maybe those fetal cells have something to do with those significant postpartum depression cases. Um, you know, what's going on there with kind of that gut brain axis and how could the fetal cells be triggering that? The inflammatory process. So then are they a hostile cell in the body or are they beneficial? I would assume they're beneficial if nature designed us this way, this like beautiful inter-exchange of our cells. But is that what the theory would have to test? Yeah. And that's what we kind of mentioned is scientists aren't ready to accuse or excuse these cells. But like what you said, nature is more brilliant than any physician scientist, you know, like the body is so innately wise and beautiful. I would take my money to Las Vegas and say that these are protective. I think that they are protective, but in the context of an already disturbed imbalanced system, like what comes to the surface post-pregnancy, which is a big metabolic undertaking for the body, I think the immune system is already in a tailspin. So these fetal cells, even though they're not trying to tip that balance point. Well, we know that there are conditions in the body under the right circumstances, probably when there is some underlying pathology or there's an excessive exposure to something environmental or or, um, the way that the genes are influenced over time where the body sometimes has the opposite effect, like the cytokine storm that doesn't happen in most people, but in some cases, and maybe these are the cases where we see the extreme postpartum, extreme postpartum depression or uh, psychosis that these, there's some connection there with things going the opposite way of what it's supposed to do. And the body, you know, it wants to be in a state of homeostasis always. That's its set point. But it's the factors that come in and create obstacles and the body's working upstream. So if we can get in, which again is the beauty of integrative medicine, I'm biased, but we take out those obstacles. You know, you yes, we can't live in a 100% toxin-free world. We can't erase all stress, especially as a mom. It's not going anywhere. We can't have a perfect clean slate. But even if you remove some of those factors... The body's like, oh, there, yes, thank you for that help. I can work and rebalance and and reset. I think it's just health is complex. It's a work in progress. It's a worthy investment. And it's something that, especially in the state of our world, we do have to work at it if we want to optimize and live to 100 like I do and y'all probably do too. So I have to ask the question again. It's kind of kind of the same question, but I'm just so curious if you have any theories or have heard any theories about anything that goes on in birth that may contribute to this, like the use of Pitocin or C-section or IV antibiotics. I mean, anything that you theorize may, in your experience, you see higher rates of this inflammatory process in women postpartum and more of this reactive state that, that, that you can link back to anything in their pregnancy or birth. I think absolutely, but I'm not able to pinpoint. Of course, I see women with with more significant health issues, detrimental health stuff when they've had interventions, when they've had a traumatic birth, when they've had they've been exposed to the over medicalization of birth in our country now. Absolutely. Once you diagnose women, 
because we've met a few who've had Hashimoto's after giving birth. And I never knew that that made all of those autoimmune diseases more likely, but now I do know that. Um, what are some of the quick fixes that sometimes move the mountain the most easily that you have your patients do? What supplements or what lifestyle things tend to make the biggest difference in the beginning when they're healing? One of the biggest, quickest ways to drop thyroid antibodies, which again, conventional medicine is, says is not possible, which is totally not true, going on a gluten-free diet. And people will say gluten-free is just trendy. You know, more and more people, especially the aging population are coming back celiac. And it's not because we're eating the ancient wheat that was from biblical times and from ancient times. It's a totally different wheat, which is why you can also go to other countries and likely be okay with their good quality wheat. We, we bathe it in glyphosate, we process it, we take out the good stuff. And something about those, you guys probably know this, the gluten molecules just sit perfectly in that thyroid receptor and really cause problems. So a gluten-free diet, 30 to 60 days, 100% um, gluten-free, gluten wheat, all of the potential um, wheat protein particles. It's a great way to decrease that inflammatory fire. And we always see antibodies drop. The other thing, which is um, something that we've seen in our group, the power of a woman having her voice which again, this is something my psychologist friend and I, we want to do a study on, but how do we measure it? We have seen time and time again, if a woman grows up in a family unit where she doesn't have a voice because the girl doesn't matter or what have you, and or she's in a relationship, fast forward to adulthood where she doesn't have a voice, that interferes with thyroid function. And if you think about it, just sheer proximity, thyroid gland and the voice box are right next to each other. And so those neurotransmitters, those chemical messengers, it's all an interplay, not to mention, you know, we talk about cortisol still and taking away from progesterone and estrogen, but also thyroid hormones. So giving a woman the mental emotional support to get her voice back, we've literally seen women's thyroid improve without them doing anything else, which is amazing. The third factor I would say is women, you know, with the beauty standards in our world now with potions and toxins and fillers and Botox, um, we lather ourselves with a chemical cocktail, especially right here. The thyroid gland is one of the closest, if not the closest organ to the skin surface. There's not a lot of a room or buffer here. And so what do we do? Perfumes, lotions, makeup, phthalates, parabens, you know, all of the stuff. And the thyroid just is like a sponge and it's soaking it all up. So going low tox with your body care products is huge. And it's easy to do. That interesting second point you made about women who don't find their voices. That's a fascinating topic. Um, so I guess you have to get to know women a little bit personally to ask them about that. If they do concede that they have had some trouble in their childhood or even in their relationships with finding their voices, what advice do you give them? Where do you go from there? It depends on the woman, but you're right. The first thing is the bravery and the courage and the comfort level for her to be able to share that. So many of us are walking around with a mother wound, which is a whole nother topic that that is, you know, one that's near and dear to my heart, but it depends on her. I think everybody needs a therapist at some point in their lives. I think women's groups are great. I think doing whatever kind of works for you in terms of prayer, meditation, journaling, to be able to start getting your voice out, even if it's not for anyone else to hear, just so you can move it from here out, right? Move that energy through. Um, so those are some big factors. Homeopathy can be great. We don't really have anything like it in the conventional medical toolbox. It just kind of peels back some of those emotional layers. 
because sometimes it's a wound again from childhood, not getting what you needed from your mom. Um, And so it takes some deep digging to actually go back there because it was so painful. We kind of wall off and we just move forward and we get the job done. Right. So it really depends on the woman. Um, There's no one size fits all, but the mental emotional piece in women's health I mean, it is just as important as your hormone balancing, as autoimmunity, as your gut health, as everything. In your wildest imagination, because I know the studies haven't been done on this, but what could possibly be that link between not finding one's voice and her thyroid? How do you imagine that could play out inside the body? I think it's just the connection between the the mental and the physical. You know, if someone jumps out from behind the bushes and scares you. That's something you perceive in your mind first, but your pupils dilate, you start sweating. That mental emotional is experienced in your physical cells. So there's, you know, again, maybe just sheer proximity because the voice box is right there by the thyroid gland. I mean, not to mention it's so interesting to me, and I don't know if there's research to support it, but we know for a fact the extent to which a woman has tension or relaxation in her throat exactly correlates to the extent to which she has tension or relaxation in her vagina when she's giving birth. So it's critically important to keep the throat relaxed, low tones in her throat, and that opens all the vaginal muscles. And we also know the same thing is true with the joint in the face, the jaw, and the tension or relaxation in the pelvis. So there is definitely this direct correlation between the jaw and the throat. It's just, it's a big damn mystery to us because there's no research on it, but we know it to be true. Listen, people, people can die of a broken heart, right? That's energy around the heart space. People can destroy their thyroid because they're holding in that painful energy, suppressing their voice. These are real things. It, it, I mean, it literally happens. So it makes, it makes sense. And I would imagine that energy work doing some chakra work or some sort of Reiki energy work would probably be really helpful too. Maybe acupuncture. Yeah, I didn't mention that, but I certainly value all of those. The myan abdominal therapy, acupuncture, Reiki, um, any of the body work that actually moves the emotion. Because you're so right, that correlation. And I think there are more connections like that in the body that maybe we haven't fleshed out yet. But how could it how could it not be the case for sure? So Rachel, this this has been a fascinating conversation. It sounds like there's so much more that we all need to learn about this theory of um, what is it? Fetal maternal mycochimerism. Okay, I got it. So, in conclusion, is there just like one piece of take home advice that you could offer to our community of listeners about um, their postpartum health, their preconception health? Well, if, if there's just one thing that you would want all women hearing this episode to know, what would that be? It would probably be two parts. Uh, The first would be never stop being curious and investigating and investing in your health because it is your greatest asset. And the second is be strong, have a voice. And if you feel like you have a provider that is dismissing you or not listening to you or telling you it's all in your head, Keep looking because there are providers out there that will partner with you, not preside over you. They will listen to you. They will build a relationship with you and they will be in your corner of the ring to protect again, this greatest asset, which is your health. Thanks for joining us at the down to birth show. You can reach us at down to birth show on Instagram or email us at contact at down to birth 
All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. But I actually recently found out the biggest shock of our life. We always said we wanted five children. And um, so we found out we were pregnant with a fifth. But two weeks ago, we found out we're having twins. What? You must have been shocked to hear you were having twins. Oh, yes. And it was my dear friend who helped co-found the center that we were just, it was in between patients. And we said, let's dating ultrasound. And so she's looking at the screen. I think something's wrong. I'm 40. You know, it's already like, is everything okay? And she's like, I'm just trying to figure out why there's two on the screen. Oh, my. 